Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon. Tuesday edition of the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. You can find us at stevejonesshow.com. We're on Facebook. Give us a like. Also, give us a follow on Twitter. Our Twitter handle at Steve Jones PSU. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, and Google Play. Search Steve Jones Show where you get those podcasts. Hit subscribe, and we'll drop the shows right to your mobile device. You can listen to them anytime, anywhere. You can also get access to three months of shows. We have them archived at stevejonesshow.com. And in our podcast archives, we've got an interview that Steve did back in February with Mark Brennan from fightonstate.com. And that particular hour of the show, fifth highest of all time, podcast listenership. So uh, thank you guys for subscribing to the podcast. And if you have not yet, please subscribe, especially if you're a Penn State football fan, as we ramp up the conversation getting closer to Blue-White Game 2019, which will be a week from Saturday, April 13th. Kickoff just after 3. We'll have that for you here with Stephen Jack and Derek on News Radio 1070, WKOK, and online at stevejonesshow.com. And another great broadcast partner of Steve's, uh, Dick Girardi from Hoops. Uh, we'll get uh, Stephen Dick talking Final Four as the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament heads for Minneapolis on Saturday. Heading back to Washington tonight, Bryce Harper, Philadelphia Phillies, the only team 3-0 and in the majors. They open up a quick two-game set with the Nats tonight and then a, a business person special tomorrow afternoon, so we won't have a live show for you tomorrow. I mentioned Mark Brennan a second ago. Uh, we have Mark scheduled to join us here on the show on Thursday. All right. So we will have Phillies-Nats tonight and tomorrow afternoon. And then the Fightins will take Thursday off, and then they open up interleague play on Friday. Start a weekend set with the Minnesota Twins. So yeah, Dick Girardi today, Mark Brennan on Thursday, and also we're about a week away from the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we'll get a longtime friend of Steve's, Bob Grove, Pittsburgh Penguins historian. He should be uh, scheduled to uh, be in our guest lineup by the end of the week before we hear from the King, aka Steve's brother. Kevin Jones. You can reach out to us by email. Our address is stevejones at wkok.com. One word, stevejones at wkok.com. So we mentioned the Phillies. We mentioned the Nats. Well, one of their rivals in the National League East, the Atlanta Braves. 
Reigning National League Rookie of the Year with the Braves, Ronald Acuna Jr., and the Braves are finalizing an eight-year, $100 million contract extension. Braves have not yet confirmed the deal. That eight-year deal would begin this season and come with a $10 million buyout on two club options that are worth $17 million each. Acuna Jr., now be under team control through age 30, the deal maxing out at $124 million. Acuna played in 111 games last season after making his Major League Baseball debut late last April. Over that span, he hit 293, 26 home runs, 26 doubles, also stole 16 bases on 21 attempts, and entered the 2019 season with... Only 159 days of Major League service. He's on track to qualify for arbitration in 2021. Reach free agency after 2024. At least that's what those numbers were before finalizing that rich deal. The Alliance of American Football may be ending before capping off its inaugural season. Our friend here of the show... Ben Kershaval from CBSSports.com spoke to a source close to the AAF and could confirm operations have have been suspended for at least today, possibly indefinitely, with control owner Tom Dundon, who is also the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes of the National Hockey League, making the call. Dundon was the one that made the $250 million investment in the AAF. But no confirmation from multiple sources yet that the league is folding, just suspended for at least today at this point. General managers across the Alliance of American Football holding conference calls today. The sticking point for those inside the Alliance of American Football, they're trying to wrap their heads around what Dundon is doing, and there really nothing has changed after that $250 million pledge. He stands uh, you know, to lose at least $70 million if the league folds. You know what, though? What's his agenda? What was his agenda of putting the money in? You know, the, sometimes leagues can get... First of all, let, let's establish this. They're not a com- competitor of the NFL. So, I mean, and they established that from day one. But, Sean, it is impossible now to compete Logically, with the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball, you can't put a competing league together. Yeah, it just makes you wonder where the two hundred and fifty million would go. Would that go toward? Would that be spread across all eight teams for you know, player know. payments or 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 just operations for the franchises? There, just to just, keep to keep the lights on, or I don't know. I'm not quite sure what the heck. It sounds like it would be spread out over eight teams. I mean, it's still, to you and me, uh, a huge ton of money, but for them it doesn't sound like all that much if it would be broken down eight different ways. Okay, well, let me tell you what uh, I like about the league and what I don't like about the league. After now watching it, I'm talking about the level of play. I'll tell you what's really good in the league, the tackling. The tackling, every time I turn around, I see one rock-solid tackle after another. Tackling in this league is really, really good. Now what? Now what's not good in the league? They don't have a single quarterback in that league that's worth anything. You know, beyond the level they're playing at right now. They just don't have any. 
they're not dynamic. I mean, even even the old world football league, the old world football league, because I mean the USFL, we you know, the USFL had Steve Young, they had Jim Kelly. In the USFL had some quarterbacks. You had Bobby Abair. Uh, I mean, they had quarterbacks. So the the USFL was exciting to watch. It actually was fun to watch USFL games. Um, that's why you know was every game perfect? No, but they had quarterbacks. Brian Sipe. Even the World Football League. And people in our area may remember this name that I'm going to bring up right now. The Philadelphia Bell had a quarterback by the name of King Corcoran. King Corcoran could sling the ball all all over the place. He played for the Pottstown Firebirds in the Atlantic Coast Football League and the Seaboard Professional Football League. Yeah, the ACFL was a minor league, believe it or not. Uh, Pottstown was affiliated with the Eagles. Hartford was affiliated with the Buffalo Bills. Bridgeport was affiliated with the New York Jets. Lowell was affiliated, believe it or not, with the New York Giants. Not with the Patriots, but the New York Giants. I mean, they actually were a minor league. I'll give you an example. Hartford, the Hartford Knights had a, had a running back by the name of Marv Hubbard, who eventually then went to the NFL after a year and was a 1,000-yard rusher with the Oakland Raiders. But King Corcoran was a dynamic quarterback. Flamboyant. A real flair, exciting. Now, the WFL, of course, folded after a season and a half, or a little bit more than a season and a half. But at least they had some flair in the league. You know, did they pad numbers when it came to attendance? Yeah, Philadelphia drew 100,000 the first game, and they all got in free. Okay, fine. And let's just say that up front so everybody knows, which they didn't do it. But this league is not, there's, no, there's nothing dynamic about this league. And it really starts with the quarterbacks. And with all due respect to them, they're all, you know, they're all working hard, but like it's too many, you know, short outs, short stuff, nothing deep, nothing. I mean, there's nothing, no flair to it. And I know it's a minor league. I got it. But eh, it's just... I was hoping to see it succeed because I think it could have been. And it's not. I mean, they're suspending operations. I mean, does it mean they're completely out of business? You feel like you felt like they had the right people there. Bill Polian, the Ebersol family. You know, you felt like they had some of the right people in place. You know, and our friend Ben Kershaw, he's been throwing his heart and soul into covering this thing. And Ben's been a great friend of the show. But, I don't know. Dick Girardi is on the show today. We'll talk about the Final Four. Also on the show today, we have Neil Kulong. We'll talk about the AAF. And the pirate collapse yesterday was, it's only one game, but that's your one and only sellout for the year. So, that didn't go. We'll talk to Chris Mack about that. How's everything going for you? Going good today. Not too bad. 
I'll get you. I'll get you up to date on something during the break. But going good, no complaints. <laughs> We're going the way of the AAF. No, <laughs> <laughs> I am not folding, and I have not been suspended for one day. I'm not that crazy on the radio. <laughs> I actually had a student come up to me after class yesterday morning and was trying to explain to me why he's confused about the possibility that he might get suspended because he used the F-bomb in the air. Mm. I said... One of my fraternity brothers over 30 years ago claims I dropped an F-bomb on, on the first FM station I worked at in my hometown, but I, I have vehemently denied it to this very day. And there's no, oh, and there's no documented audio proof of it. Oh, the kid admits it. <laughs> well, he said to me, he says his co-host made him mad, and the, you know, and thus he had a reason to it. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. Although he didn't say fudge. Oh, mm. all right. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. The Phillies are on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Swing and a line drive, base it up the middle out into center field. Segura drops home with the second run for the Phillies, holding out at second base. Is is it's a big two out RBI single for Herrera. And the Phils jump back on top, 2-1. to one. Phillies baseball on WKOK is sponsored by Gracie's Flowers and Gifts, Glick Associates, Carpet Man, and Murray Motors Chevrolet. Your home for Phillies baseball is News Radio 1070 WKOK. The NIT semifinals are tonight. We've got uh, TCU Texas in one matchup, Wichita State and Lipscomb in the other. Lipscomb is the one that battled Liberty all year, and Liberty won the tournament. Lipscomb did not get a um, did not get an at-large bid. Oh, credit Lipscomb. Look, they went into NC State, and they played. By the way, NC State did something really smart. They played their NIT games in Reynolds Coliseum. Their old building. Uh, and I did one game in there once. I want to say it was 21 years, 22 years ago. I did a game in there. Quite a place. Uh, they sold it out. Wild, crazy, and Lipscomb went in and won. Wichita State. They went on the road, beat Indiana. 
TCU home courted its way in. Texas home courted its way in. So that is coming up tonight at the Garden. It is a great experience in the Garden, believe me. And then later in the week is the Final Four. We'll talk to Dick Girardi about that. Dick and I are in absolute agreement that the worst thing that can happen to college basketball is Virginia plays Texas Tech. It'll look like the NCAA wrestling semifinals where everybody just went around in a circle. (laughs) Yay, seven minutes up. Okay, next two out there, you can go around in a circle. There we go. We did not get a chance to touch on Bo Nickel yesterday, so I want to take a moment to talk about that. Bo Nickel, and, and look, he edged out Jason Nolf, and Nolf did pick up an award along the way for this. Um, Bo Nickel is what's right about wrestling, because you know what Bo Nickel does? Bo Nickel is so dynamic as a wrestler that he gets the casual fan interested and excited to watch. Hey, when's 197 coming up? I want to watch the Nickel Kid. You want to know why? Because he's not conventional. He goes for it. He takes shots. He's daring. He's exciting. He gets in trouble. He gets out of trouble. Now, let's be honest about it. Was there, there was, I don't think there was one point the entire season this year that he was even remotely in trouble. But that's who he is. He's just dynamic. Lightning quick does some things that, like, whoa, okay, they're different than everybody else. You look at, at what he does, he is the Zion Williamson of his sport. That one can't miss guy. Like Zane Rutherford was great, Jason Nolf, great. But I put Bo Nickel more into the, in terms of the excitement category that's really great for the sport, like David Taylor. I know Taylor won two national titles. It's so hard looking around and saying he only won two. That's wrong. And I didn't say only, did I? But he won two national titles. But he did it with a, with a dynamic, a flair sense of excitement. He not only won, he did it with style. Bo Nickel not only won, but he did it with style. You know, you could talk about the technical breakdowns, holy cow, somebody rides somebody else, and you know, and all the counter moves. This, you know, but guess what? The casual fan doesn't care about the counter moves. You, the diehard, care about it. The casual fan, the one that makes the difference between having 2,000 people there and having 5,000 people there. Okay? Those are the there's casual fans. They aren't all diehards. The difference between having five hundred thousand people watch on TV and having six hundred twenty-five thousand watch the final on TV is getting casual fans involved. Right? Nickel is the kind of guy that got the casual fan to the table to watch because it was exciting to watch. Fifth time in the last eight years that Penn State has won a Hodge Trophy. Fifth time in eight years. And Nolf could have shared it with him. Jason, if Jason had won, I'd be saying the same thing. Because I think Nolf is also dynamic. But there's just something about Bo Nickel. 
And I'm not talking about the hair. Where in terms of the excitement level and the ability to get the casual fan excited, he is the only wrestler in the in, in college wrestling right now that has that ability. Now, you may have some people call, but oh, no, oh, please save it. He's the only one that has the ability to be that dynamic that can get a casual fan to go, hey, when's that guy going to be wrestling again? I can't wait to watch him. Because it's just a little bit different than everybody else. He advanced the sport. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family-operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570-286-5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, A couple quick notes for you Uh, in a few moments. We'll be joined by Neil Kulong. We'll talk about the what seems to be the demise of the AAF and other topics. Dick Girardi on the Final Four next half hour. Final half hour, Chris Mack on Major League Baseball. The Phillies take on the Nationals tomorrow. That will be in this time slot. But then we're back on Thursday, and Mark Brennan is going to join us on the show. And he'll join us here in the Sunbury Motor Studio. All right. So that's what we have coming up. And the king, of course, is here on Friday. I mean, the actual king, not not somebody who pretends to be king sitting in an office. Uh, did I mention how much I miss Harry? All right. So uh, uh, not this week, but you just did. <laughs> it's a, it's a weekly counting? thing. Yes. It's a weekly thing. All right. Let's uh, bring in Neil Kulong. We'll talk about the demise of the AAF. Hello, Neil. How are you today? I refuse to sign that petition. <laughs> Just so you yeah. know. Yeah. And I know why you refuse. I did, not yours. I know why you refuse to sign it. Just the mere fact that you go, oh, it's hideous. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that one. You don't, you don't pass up on that joke. When you're it's hideous. <laughs> That's why I didn't sign it. <laughs> there are reports. The AAF operations have been suspended indefinitely. Might I ask your level of disappointment and shock? Um, none. Uh, not, <laughs> not entirely surprised. I mean, it, you know, I guess I guess all good things come to an end, and all poorly planned, expensive things come to an end a lot quicker. It, it, it's weird because it, the, the reports that you're hearing now are. They're suspending operations, but just for like a couple hours. And I guess the only thought that I would have with that is there's you know some type of emergency wire transfer that, that's uh, that's pending, and they're waiting to to push it through. But um, if they're shutting down 
this quickly, the amount of money that's already been invested in it, you really have to wonder what the true motivation was of the people involved. And, and there are people that were saying um, that the main investor uh, really was just more interested in the technology that they were trying to develop. Um, that's a lot of money to spend on an app. Uh, even the high-level ones, you're, yeah. you're going to take a while to, to see any type of return on that. But um, from a gambling perspective, there's revenue to be generated with that. So maybe that is part of the case, and maybe what they're trying to do now uh, is just buy him out, and they're not sure if they're able to do that because they're not liquid enough. Uh, there are a lot of different things that it could be, but really just sort of a expected yet still odd situation. And we're, we're I guess, going to have to kind of see how all this plays out. But it just it would make no sense to me at all that they did not have uh, an absolute plan in place to assure that they'd last one full season um, in operations. It really would just seem weird to me that they'd cut it out now. Obviously, the NFL does not have a minor league. Now, they've had it in the past, World League of American Football. Even back in the late 60s and early 70s, the old Atlanta Coast Football League had affiliations with NFL teams and was a minor league. What do you think a minor league operation could do for guys like Mason Rudolph and Joshua Dobbs? I think the the idea of getting them more snaps certainly would sound appealing um, that makes sense logically I mean give them a chance to play uh, see what they can do in, in game action that isn't just the preseason you know split action uh, just for a couple games I, I certainly think it would it would you know help their development but at the same time it could also probably end a few careers as well you know what what if they go out like Johnny Manziel did in, in Canada do a terrible job, and now the Steelers don't want him anymore. I mean, it, it, there would be an issue union-wise of uh, who would be playing in whatever minor league. Right. Keep in mind, this is also something that would have to be owned by the NFL. Uh, you could call the AAF a minor league, uh, you know, football organization as much as you want. The reality is that's really only in talent um, alone. It, it, it's not an affiliation of anything. There is no guarantee of you know performance and escalation. There's no link there. I should say, not a guarantee. Um, I certainly think there will be guys that come from the AAF to play. Um, right. it, it would probably, I guess, make you question, did they do something in the seven games that they played that earned them a promotion? Or were these guys that were probably going to be signed after the draft anyway? I mean, you look at the transaction wires during training camp, there are guys that um, are, are waived with injury settlements and other guys who were signed all the time. I mean, it's not as if uh, these lower-level guys would never – at the very least be in a training camp and from there I'm not sure how much they're really going to gain in a different system outside of this you know kind of meat grinder of training camp that would have given them an opportunity to, to, to shine like these great players that everybody thinks that they all are um, I think overall what you have unofficially is a, a, a minor league system that's flawed uh, that they call the NCAA and I think with that there are enough players who get enough opportunity and there's certainly a large enough draft and enough evaluation of a process where uh, the best of the best are generally going to rise to the top. I, I, I'm not convinced that there are enough players out there um, who just flat out didn't get the opportunity. I think there might be some there, but the price in finding those guys um, against the current system that they have right now just seems insurmountable to me. This, this was really going to be nothing more than an opportunity to, to, to you know try to play uh, realistic competitive football at the sub NFL level um, and give guys who have gotten a little bit older something of an opportunity to continue playing while making a few bucks of their own. I, I don't think anybody could have taken them 
that seriously. And if they were, they, we would have had the TV rights in place. Um, there would have been some type of draft set up. It, it didn't have a chance to do any of those things. And maybe it shouldn't have even started operations until they did. I, I don't know. I can't answer those questions. But I, I think there's a lot more uh, that, that's behind this. Uh, that will explain the total story, but at a ten thousand foot level, I just I don't think anybody really thought this was ever going to be a serious thing. Because it's not like as if I mean people don't realize, but for a lot of years the NFL was sending money to the CFL, and when the Bills were messing around with playing some games in Toronto, that's where it finally got exposed. I think they were sending them like four million a year or something like that at that point. Now that that agreement has ended, obviously. But where does where does development for the NFL stand? I mean, baseball's a different road. So is hockey. The NBA has the G League. Is this is is it too physically tough to have a minor league for the NFL? I think it, it's too financially tough, and that plays into the physicality that you mentioned as well. I think. Um, guys can get hurt. That's a lot of insurance money that you have to put in there. Yes, you can get hurt playing baseball as well. I understand that. But yeah. it, it, the system itself for football, it, it's, it's grueling, it's brutal, and it really is kind of an all-or-nothing thing. And the money that has to go into fielding a roster of um, you know, it, it, at least competitive players uh, across wide enough of a league to make people think that it, it is interesting and something to watch, it, 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 that's just massive. You know, I'll even go back. It's an interesting point you made about the CFL. What I always look at is the USFL. Um, right. Whether they had the money or not, I guess, was probably a different story. But they were certainly willing to spend it. And they went and competed with the top players who were coming out of the draft. So this wasn't a pre-draft league. This was really an indirect competition with the NFL. That's right. And they had success just in the sense that they brought in high-level players. Uh, to, to go and play, and they would pay him more than the NFL. That created, you know, I, I think more than anything, a system uh, that the NFL paid for for decades after that, simply because now the, the rising price of all these top picks uh, in the future drafts, which has since ended, but back then, I mean, you know, it gets cut off at Sam Bradford, who's still making high dollar uh, mm-hmm. uh, contract, even for a quarterback. And he was the last one in the old CBA that that, uh, that got signed and, and eventually kind of eliminated a lot of these problems. Right. If it, if there is a league that wants to put all of this together, I think they're going to have to go after uh, the players that the NFL would draft, not the players that the NFL rejected, not the players that are looking just for a, a way to, to keep themselves relevant or for the opportunity they think that they didn't have because you know maybe they grew late or something. I don't know. Um, in the end, what what's you know, really, the, the the bottom line issue of the AAF, they're not getting top tier players. That's they're right. not because even the the scrub nobodies signed a futures contract with the NFL, so they don't even have them. You know, uh, you how can you play high level football and make it something serious if you have to scrimp to pay uh, for the guys that you are putting out on the field? There's just never going to be enough buzz and enough hype if you go after that segment of the game. If you want to make something legitimate, and this is a completely different argument, um, what you want is to go after the guy like Trevor Lawrence and right. pay him for two years before he's draft eligible. If you want to do that um, and not be in a direct competition with the NFL, you need to undercut the, the NCAA, and that's far far easier said than done. It's a lot of money, again, that they're going to have to pony up um, and you know, not just invest in the players. Let's keep in mind, you need coaches as well. 
Um, these guys need to be coached, and the college guys are getting paid a lot of money to, to be in the positions that they're in. There's a lot that's going to be invested in them in that. So you, you need, like, Warren Buffett-level money to, to put something together. And I think because of that, there's just not going to be enough opportunity to make it worth anyone's while because they can't pay uh, to retain the high-level talent that they would need to make the NFL care at all. Obviously, it was in 2001. But a couple of people I know that were associated with the XFL said uh, there was no issue with getting checks. It may have been one season, but they got every dime that they were owed. Okay, good thing. So we know Vince McMahon is a wash in cash. Uh, Are you interested to see what the XFL does based on the scenario, Neil, you just outlined about a Trevor Lawrence or somebody else that would not be under the current rules eligible for the NFL draft? If I am, it's because I think Vince McMahon would be crazy enough not just to do this once, but to, to try it a second time um, in the, the face of a direct competitor. Uh, it might not be that way, as it turns out today, but the XFL is still going to launch. You have to think it, it's at least rooted in kind of the same business model. So what would he do to differentiate this? And he's shown you know a lot of things. I don't think that the, the flash and pomp and circumstances that he put out the last time uh, made much of a difference to anybody. I think it had right. the same type of, I'll tune in once to check this out, and in the end, I don't have any rooting interest to this. It's not that great of, of competition. This isn't all that much fun to watch anymore. This is kind of weird. I don't care what this guy has written on the back of his uniform. Right. This, isn't, this isn't really worth my time. And he funded it, you know, as he should have, to last at least one year. And maybe it's just for no other reason than, you and I can talk about exactly that on this show. He didn't go broke after a year. Everybody got paid. Yeah. Nobody questions the financial validity of the XFL. I don't, I don't know what their books were. I'm just saying that's not something you thought about with the NFL. It was more like a marketing experiment experiment that, that didn't really work out the way that the owners would have. I don't know what else they can do unless they're going to try immediately to go after those kinds of guys. You know, you have to make waves. Um, financially, if you're going to go up against the NCAA, because that clearly is the one thing they don't have um, and they're going to struggle with as long as they're around doing things the way that they're doing it. If you want to have a separate semi-pro league, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to pay for talent. And that's going to be a lot of money because you need a lot of them to to make anything work. It can't just be these you know poor 18-year-old college seniors who are going to skip out on their commitments to to Florida State or Penn State or whoever in order to to play for this you know random kind of renegade league and get paid while they're they're uh you know not yet draft eligible i i would think that there's there are ways to do that if you find uh enough investors to do it and that's really i think that the challenge of anybody who's not going to be the nfl is going to run into they're going to have to pay the money uh to get guys who otherwise wouldn't be getting paid right exactly that's why i look at it when i saw dundon the Carolina Hurricanes owner was involved, and I know certain things that he's done with the Hurricanes that, like for me personally, don't quite wash uh, in terms of like the feel for the game uh, that don't quite wash. And again, this is not a political commentary, but I, but I've got to bring the name up. Okay, Donald Trump wanted the New Jersey Generals to be in the NFL. I think that's that. I don't think that's a that is a wrong statement. I think that's what he wanted. And so the league ended up getting steered that way. So you had a financial investor that have a, had a different agenda maybe than other people in the league. I felt like Dundon had a different agenda than, and he was the money guy. 
he was the money guy, and you've got to have everybody to make this thing succeed. You have to have everybody on the same page doing this thing, and not somebody with a separate agenda. Yep, and I, I didn't want to say the name either, but Donald Trump was the, the main guy that steered a lot of what the USFL was, and right. uh, he had the financial means um, to go after the big name people. And right. I think Dundon, um, that the the main issue with him, at least from what I've seen, is he was much more. Um, invested in the idea of you know it, uh, the technology behind a gambling app that they yeah. were developing, right. and it could have been a, a, a test market for him to try it out in. Um, that seems a lot to me for for somebody that's paying ten million dollars a week uh, to, to fund the business, and it seems incredibly naive to me to think that this guy could have amassed that type of fortune and not seen this happening when it did. Maybe he's got even more money than I thought he did. Maybe you know there, there's a, a ton that he can gain uh, from the technology that he just earned and has no problem just walking away from it, uh, just as his pet project. You know, I guess I, I can't rule that out, but. At the same time, you're right. If, if he's a guy that's going after this thing on his own, and this was not something the AAF ever wanted to be, they wanted to be unified. You know, united we stand, divided we fall is is you know very much in line uh, with how the NFL put itself together back in the '60s and '70s. They didn't want to have to compete toe to toe with the other business owners uh, when it comes to financial issues. They're going to have that problem. If they bring in independent owners who are not buying into what the entire league right. needs, right. and that's going to be one of the major hurdles anybody who does this have. But the catch twenty two is you need the big spender. You have to have the bankroll guy to to put the money into everything else. And what are his motivations uh, to to spend that much money? You know, why, right. why would he or she want to invest that much if they're not going to get their money back? You know, it, it, it's nickel and dime to everybody else. Why would he want to be involved? Exactly. He has to be incentivized somehow. So it, it, it's it's tough. It's tough, and I don't make enough money to answer those questions, or right. ever will be in a position to make those, you know, determinations. But uh, if somebody does, I, I think there's a market there. Um, maybe not to a, a high degree, but I think people like football. I think they like drama. I think they like mm-hmm. um, the, the off the field discussion of which players going to play for for what league. I think there will be people who would be invested in that kind of thing. Uh, it just can't be on a level that um, they can go toe to toe with the NFL. And they have to run it to a, a point on budget that they're you know shutting down doors after seven weeks. They're going to need a little yeah. bit more than that. And again, you can't be beholden to one guy. Uh, I mean, Dundon comes in from the outside. I mean, he can he can call the shots. I'm withdrawing at any point. I don't know what the agreement. He can withdraw at any point. In the USFL's case, which I thought you know, in terms of the entertainment parts, the end, they were exponentially more entertaining than the the alliance. But John Bassett was the one guy. And Donald, I'm sure Donald Trump, the president, would admit it. That one guy among all that he respected in that thing was John Bassett. And then John Bassett got sick. And suddenly the ability to sway and bring a different opinion changed in the room. And then that changed the influence about where they were going. It's, I just think today, a rival league today, because the established leagues, I don't care if it's the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL, they're so established and so rooted now and have and deep tentacles with media contracts, I think it's almost impossible now for anybody to compete with them. I don't know what, what you think. Well, I think they designed it that way after all that happened. I think it, from the NFL's perspective, you can see that they're probably exposed um, to you know, possibly um, get undercut by somebody else. And I'm not suggesting there's going to be somebody that would run the NFL out of business. I, right. I don't think that would happen. Right. But to have somebody 
that could come in and, and grab 10% of your market share. That's a huge loss. You know, they're, they're not going to want that. So with that, yeah, they, they partner up with highly lucrative and highly uh, visible uh, media partners. And they, they've created a schedule in which there's a, a tentpole event uh, once a month. So they're always in the headlines. Uh, they draw in audience on anything that they do, as demonstrated by the, the Combine, which if you look at it just purely from a, a marketing perspective, from every other league, none of them have been able to make that work because it, it's it's dull. It's boring. They don't have the, the same um, – the, the, the prospects who are there don't have the names uh, that they will coming into the NFL. And it goes back to my original point. I think a large part of it is because the NFL – all they need to do is just not play games on Saturdays, and the NCAA will basically let them do whatever they want. That's you know? right. Yep. The NCAA came first. Keep that in mind. Uh, professional football was nothing. Top picks went to law school all the time because they didn't want to play football anymore. Right. They weren't going to make anything doing it. Uh, Jay Burwanger so, was the Heisman Trophy. Jay Burwanger was the Heisman Trophy. First pick in the draft. I don't think I'll play. Yeah, just doesn't <laughs> want to. Just doesn't want to. Now, obviously, that, that's just an absurd thought, but it, for somebody – to come in and try to compete with the NCAA and make the NFL change rules around in some way to, to protect the NCAA, uh, whether they would do that, that would be really interesting. But the main thing I would look at is I can't imagine there's not a market out there of 18-year-olds who are graduating um, high school who are offered um, the opportunity to play at a, a major Division One school or, say, Seventy-five grand with insurance to sign a two-year contract to play with this kind of upstart league that's going to have attention. We've got TV partners that, that we're able to use uh, to leverage some of this. Um, it's not as you know glitzy as say like Clemson is, but this is cold hard cash. Yeah. Here's an insurance policy. Right. You're here for two years because then, or three years, whatever it is, then you're draft eligible. We'll do whatever we can to get you drafted. You're going to have coaching. You're going to have scouting. You don't have to go to class. We're not going to restrict how much time you can work with your coaches. You can do all of these things. There are a lot of different things that they could do that, you know, obviously are going to add up to a lot of money. But it would be very reasonable for an 18-year-old to think, this might not be a bad option for me. And then, you know, say some of that money gets saved, put into a 401K or something like that, so they'd have funds to be able to go to college. Um, if it didn't work out for whatever reason, you know, I'm not saying it would work out for absolutely everybody, but it might be some of them just say, you know what, I, I like football. I think I'm good at football, but I want to get paid in three years. I don't want to go to, to school for five if I can avoid that now and get money on the books and not have to worry about, um, you know, running into scandals or anything like that. This is a job for me graduating high school. And it's a pretty well-paying one for an 18-year-old. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get into the money part later on with the college part. We'll talk to other guests about that. I don't expect you to talk about that, but uh, it is, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting time. I mean, they're, they're going to go by the wayside. They're not going to make it, uh, which is too bad for the people in San Antonio because they actually embraced it. <laughs> but that's one out of eight. All right. Neil, always a pleasure. Uh, you know, the show needed some, some sense and sensibility. As usual, you brought it. The host was nowhere close. <laughs> we all we all know that's not true but thanks for having me